0: good morning that was weak i was waiting i was like hey hey hey." we're glad you're here with us this morning my name is joe i serve as one of the pastors here at riverbend i just want to congratulate the philly fans in the audience congratulations on beating the bravos which is my team as i'm from the atl originally but that team is very very hot uh, hotter than uh, Grease Fire, right? They're, they are hot, you know, they are, they are very, very hot. And congrats to the Padres as well. Uh, Mike DeSome, right? He's got, he's, he's a uh, big baseball fan. Uh, so it's going to be a fun, fun series between the Phillies and the Padres. But again, we're glad each and every one of you is here with us. I want to extend a special welcome to all of our first-time guests. We'd love to connect with you. Easy way to do that is to fill a connection card, which you can find in person or online. We also have a gift bag for you as well but we're glad that you're here with us this morning we look forward to connecting with you and as was mentioned before and i I think it's really important to state again uh, chris bennett said so well today just whatever we're carrying in uh, this space today whatever we walked in with i think it's important that we know that there's a god who loves us and sees us and that we're not alone in it and one of the ways that that is really clearly seen is through the people around you. So look around. Do one of these things. Look around, right? We, we have people uh, to share life with and to encourage us and to remind us of the truths of who we are and what God says of us. And I'm grateful for that because I've got a heavy dose of that this week from a lot of different people, and I'm thankful for that gift. And especially in a month like this where we are dealing with uh, not only all that's changing in the season, but this time of year is also a, a chance to reflect and remember the importance and the, the magnitude of taking care of our mental health and, and being aware of depression. And I just want to state on the front end of our time together. Uh, it's a very real thing. And it's not only a real thing, but it's an important thing that we not only acknowledge, but we're not ashamed to admit. Uh, because the shame of that, the stigma that is part of that is anti the Jesus that we're reading about. And I want you to hear that from me and it's not um, abnormal in a season like this for us to be feeling what we're feeling and experiencing what we're experiencing with anxiety and depression, especially given what we've come out of uh, with COVID and all of that and the, the rumblings that have been left with that, as well as what we are now experiencing as a post-COVID world and, and the impact of that. And I just want to say to you, it's so key that you hear from us at Riverbend, this is a place where we will not allow shame to get in the way of what God says of us, but that we will boldly confess before the Lord of his goodness and his grace and that we can be honest about where we are and hold on to the hope that 's found in him with one another and I want you to know for me personally this is a value because it 's something that not only do I struggle with and have to work through and allow Jesus to work within me in but it's something that I get support and help for and so I want to encourage you please please hear me you are of value you are loved you are made on purpose and for a purpose and do not let the lie of shame the lie of the enemy of fear of what others are going to think of you get in the way of receiving the help that you need all right amen all right. All right. Well, there's still a sermon to preach, but I wanted to get that, get that out of the way this morning. I wanted to get that out of the way because it's so important and it's so key uh, for us to not miss, especially in the season that we find ourselves in. But we're in a series called "Walk This Way," and "Walk This Way" is really about rediscovering the Jesus way, who He was and what He was about. Because oftentimes when we talk about Jesus, even me talking about things like sadness and depression we often somehow think he's outside of those things, but he himself experienced things like sadness. You know, he, was, he has experienced all the things that we've experienced and sometimes what can happen is we project on Jesus what he's really not. We project on him what we want him to be we project on him what a, we heard on a podcast. We project on him what our college professor said about him. We project on him what evangelicalism or Christian culture, the, the culture of Christianity within the church has put on him, the broader culture as well. And we can miss him. And he is so beautiful to behold. He is so beautiful to behold. And what we want to do throughout this series and throughout this season is take apart the Gospel of John because we want to be able to see Jesus for who he really is. Because he's inviting us into a way of life that not only will forever change us, but will fill us with the joy and purpose that we were created for. That his ways for us are to experience the full measure of his love and then to not only receive that love, but to give that love to those around us. And so as we get into this teaching today, I think it's important for us to just know the Jesus that we may have in our minds, oftentimes we can miss these dimensions of who he is. And we're gonna see that uh, in just in a few moments here as we jump into today's passage. We'll be in John 2 in just a few minutes here. But as we think about where we're going today in today's message, I want you to think about the idea of coming together for a celebration. A celebration, a party a good time maybe you had that with with some family members or friends watching the Phillies game <laughs> yesterday or not the Penn State game right that that was a sad sad game we won't mention that we won't talk too much about that all right all right but but you you have friends come come together you know i know for for me one of the gifts in this season is that my my brothers and their families live nearby and they're in the Lehigh Valley here and we love to come together not only to watch football and sports and and enjoy those types of things but these family Gatherings to celebrate birthdays. We love to celebrate birthdays. The cousins love being together. We love uh, celebrating our nieces and our nephews, and it's such a, a joy to be able to do that. But I want you to think with me about a party or a celebration that you've been a part of, whether that's a family tradition, whether that's Christmas, you know, as, whether it's a birthday party, whatever it is, and just imagine with me for a moment if I was at said celebration for my family members so, you know i mentioned those things and we were celebrating my nieces and nephews but all of a sudden i said to them hey i'm sick of celebrating you it's time to have the attention on me all eyes on me you would be like whoa whoa, whoa. thankfully i have brothers who would rebuke me in that moment and be like hey we need to have a conversation like now you know right but maybe you've been in family situations where all of a sudden the person or persons make it about them versus the celebration. The mood changes instantly, right? You start walking Mm -hmm. on eggshells, what's going on? There's a ticking time bomb right here in this person, right? And maybe there's even conflict between these two individuals at the family or friend get together that emerges. And all of a sudden, not only is there passive aggressive behavior going on, maybe there's some stonewalling, but eventually maybe it gets aggressive. Maybe they start raising their voices. Maybe it gets physical. We would look at that and be like, whoa, you missed the point of what the celebration is, right? You missed the point. And not only did you miss the point, it would probably, I would imagine, if you're a human being, make you sad and angry at the same time, right? You'd be like, I can't believe you did that. Like, what is going on? Guys, grow up. How could you miss the point? How could you miss the point? How could you make it about you? And what we're going to see today is we're going to see Jesus actually have a response to something of people missing the point of what a celebration was really about. They, they missed the point. And, and oftentimes when we talk about Jesus, we don't know what to do with some of the emotional parts of who he is, his emotions. But again, we have to be reminded he's fully God and fully man. He was tempted and tried in every way that you and I have. And every temptation that you can think of was Jesus tempted by that? Yes, that's the answer, right? The scriptures tell us that. He was tempted in every way. So you're like, no, 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 not my temptation. Yes, your temptation. He was tempted that way. So whatever that is, it's important that we acknowledge his humanity while we understand he is fully God as well, okay? I I want you to hear that because as we get into today's passage, it's one of those passages that is going to reveal to us how he gets angry and what he gets angry about. And as we hear at the heart of it, he really gets angry, and we'll we'll read it in just a few minutes here, he gets angry when people are hindered to experiencing who Jesus was and what he was about. And so as we think about that, here's a question for us. What has hindered and helped you coming to Jesus in your own life? And that could be, hey, when I became a follower of Jesus for a long time, this was the thing that hindered me. You know, this is what was hindering me. This is who was hindering me, maybe, right? Maybe even now, maybe you'd find yourself saying, you know, I'm, I'm being hindered from experiencing the fullness of Jesus because I have some confusion about who he is and his ways because of something maybe that happened or an individual or whatever the situation is. But I want you to know, at the heart of what we're going to read today, is that Jesus gets angry and offended and offended, when people hinder, people hinder others from coming to him. So we're going to see that today. And I want you to think about what makes you angry and what makes you offended. And does it align with what makes Jesus angry and offended? Because I don't know about you, but I've noticed that we live in a culture that isn't full of people who are angry or offended. That was a joke, by the way. That was a big joke. They're angry and they're offended, and they're going to let you know because it's their opinion, their way. And if you don't agree with it or you have some nuance that you want to give to it, watch out, right? But Jesus is saying something to us that I don't want us to miss because as we're going to hear this today, This message is for us to acknowledge, are we aligned with his kingdom ways? Is our anger and offense tethered to a bigger kingdom than our own? Is there something that's setting the mark of how we're living and leading our lives? So with that in mind, we're going to read through the scripture, John chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And as we read this, we're going to take a, a big picture at it, and then we'll break it apart here in just a couple moments. It says this, this is starting in verse 13. Again, John is one of Jesus' disciples who was with Jesus. So what he's recording is things that he saw and experienced when it came to what Jesus did. It says this, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, this comes from the Psalms, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy the temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you so much for your love for us. And Lord, we, we are grateful. We are grateful for the, the good work that you're doing and that the good work that you're calling us to. And we pray right now we would just be sensitive sensitive to your voice, sensitive to your way, sensitive to your word in our lives. And uh, Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you that you draw near to us and that you come near to us wherever we find ourselves. And so Lord, we just wanna pause a moment and just invite you to have your will and your way in us today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, as we continue here and as we break this down and as we go through this passage, I want you to see a couple of things. I want to highlight some things that are going on in this passage. The first part of this is it tells us that he was making his way to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And Passover is an important time of year in the Jewish calendar because it's a time to celebrate, time to celebrate, what it was that God had done for the people of Israel. He had brought them out of captivity. And as he had brought them out of captivity from Egypt, it was a chance for them to be reminded of his faithfulness, to purchase and to give them their freedom. So this was important. It's important to remember. It was important in their calendar to celebrate. This is an important celebration. And Jesus would participate in this celebration as well and as it says here in verse 13 it says when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple court he found people selling cattle sheep and doves and others sitting at the tables exchanging money and so all of a sudden you see a flea market being opened here in the temple courts this is what it looks like for Jesus he was like whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute what's going on here And it wasn't the fact that they were making things available for people who were coming in. It was the fact that it was about them and about their own gain versus helping people to encounter and experience this one true God. People who were genuinely seeking, especially, specifically the Gentiles. And we'll see in just a few moments what this would mean for them because in the temple courts is where they would have to actually be because they were not Jewish. And so when Jesus sees this scene happening where this flea market is open, right, where things are being sold, where people are using this as an opportunity not to help people experience what God has for them as they're genuinely seeking and to walk with them, but rather as a chance to make more money, it bothers him. And not only does it bother bother him, it makes him angry. It offends him. And he does something about it. Listen to what it says here. It says, so he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables to those who sold doves. He said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And so you see Jesus have a response and his response to what's going on is he overturns the table. He overturns the table. He, this scene here, I mean, just imagine it, right? You're in the temple courts and the sheep and the cattle and, and all these things are, are moving the doves and, and the, the money's being all over. It's being thrown all over the place. I mean, it was quite the scene, right? But Jesus is making a scene here because they've turned his father's house into a market and it bothered him. Because he was saying, hey, this should be a time of year where we're seeking who God is. This is a place for us to genuinely come to know who he is and to help those who are on the outside looking in to encounter who he is. And so this bothers Jesus. And I want you to know, it's okay, it's okay to have anger. It's okay, it's actually human to have anger. Jesus himself had anger, right? It's inhuman not to have anger. It's inhuman not to be sad because Jesus was sad as well. And I think it's important that we note this. I think what is important not to miss though, because oftentimes is that when Jesus did what he did, he did it from a place of a broader kingdom focus and not just about his own personal agenda. And so with our anger, it's okay to to be angry, but we're called not to sin within our anger, but we need to express it. We need to let people who are safe into those spaces. We need to let the Lord into those spaces, right? The psalmist in, in Psalm 68, he laments before God, right? He, he cries out. There's, there's anger, there's sadness, so we need to express it, but we need to make sure that when we look at our own anger and our own offense, is it aligned with the things that actually make God angry and offend God? Are they just my own personal agenda are they my own personal things are they about my way is it about not seeking first his kingdom and righteousness but seeking first my kingdom and my rightness according to me according to me like right? I'm the standard and it's important that we don't miss this because this is what's going on right he again He made a whip out of cords. He drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And again, to those who sold the doves, he said, get out. Get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. So as we think about what's going on here, I wanted to say to you as we look at this is that at the end of this part is really key because his disciples remembered that it is written zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus was zealous for God the Father in his ways. He was zealous for people to encounter and experience who God was. And and later on, as you go through the gospel of John, you hear him talk about, this is a house of prayer. This is meant to be a place of prayer. This is meant to be a place of seeking God, but you've turned it into something that it's not meant to be. You've made the celebration about you. You've made it about your agenda. You've made it about making more money and you've missed out on what it is I've created this to be and to help others experience this. So as we look at what's going on here, I wanted to show you guys a picture and this is a picture from Bible Knowledge Commentary. So pardon the smallness of the picture, okay? But I want you to understand what is happening because this temple area that we're seeing here and where they are, there's this place as you come in, that's called the temple courts or the court of the Gentiles. And so the Gentiles were actually to be in that place because they couldn't go into where the Jewish people were because they were not Jewish. And so what's happening in this is that they're here in the temple courts and the people that are selling these things, instead of helping them to seek who God is, they were using it as a chance to monopolize these people for their own benefit. And so this is what Jesus is addressing. Again, I want you not to miss this, right? So this is what's going on within this passage. And this is important because God's heart is for everyone, not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles, because those who are not Jewish were invited in through faith. And the Jewish people were to be a light to the nations, to draw people to the one true God by the way they would go about living their life lives and what it was that they were about see jesus is angry when people hinder instead of help others come to him and i want you to think again in your own life think about in your own life does your heart break for what breaks the heart of jesus does your heart break for that does your heart ache for that does it because i think there's a lot of things our heart ache and break for And we need to be honest about those, and that's not to discount what they are. But sometimes I'm wondering, do we care about those who are far from God and those who are being hindered to encounter and experience Him? Does our heart break for that? And when's the last time we cried out to God? When's the last time we asked Him to move? When's the last time we asked Him to work in our own lives and in our communities? When's the last time we repented and confessed our sins as a church when we acknowledge before a holy and righteous God, hey, we've missed the mark, we've missed the standard, and we're coming back to you. Because repentance is actually a beautiful thing. It means to change our mind, turn around, change our direction. Repentance isn't a, a death sentence, it's a life sentence. It's acknowledgement that Jesus, we've missed what you have for us. And I want to come to you, and I want to confess to you, and I want to allow you to have your way, in me. And more than ever, I'm telling you, more than ever, we need a people whose heart breaks for the things that break the heart of God. We need a people who are angry about what God is angry about and sad about what God is sad about. We need a people who join Jesus and say, Jesus, on my watch with you, I'm going to join you about what you are about. I am not going to hinder people coming to you. I'm actually going to help them come to you. I'm going to tell them through my life and through my words about your incredible, radical, extravagant love that you have for me and for all people. Because as you think about the people who've, who maybe have hindered you or the circumstances that have hindered you, I want you to think about the people who've helped you. Don't you have people who've helped you? People who've walked with you? People who've poured into you? People who have shown you the way. I know I have a list of people like that. People that I could pick up the phone today and call. People like Todd Rainwater, who just celebrated 25 years of marriage with his beautiful bride, Karen. One of my youth pastors. I could call him and say, man, thank you so much for all that you did to pour into me and invest in me and to help me to understand who Jesus is and his ways, both in word and deed. Because as we think about this, we do not wanna miss Jesus. And let's go to the next slide, because I don't want us to miss this, because at the end of the the day, I want us to be thinking about who those people are in our lives. Who are those people? I want us to get really specific here. Who are those people? I want you to take a moment right now, pull out your phone. (laughs) I want you to write it on a note, put it on your hand, whatever you need to do. But I want you to think about who are the people Who are the people that you could answer this for? I will help not hinder this person coming to Jesus. Who is that person? And I've got a running list of people I'm praying for and I'm reaching out to and I'm connecting with because I want to be a person that doesn't spend my time on just playing church. I want to be the church and I want to be a part of that. I don't want to just run an organization called Riverbend Community Church. That is not why I signed up for pastoral ministry. I did not sign up for that. Yes, that's part of the role. I get it. But man, if I miss Jesus in the midst of it, if I miss the people, man, woe is to me. Woe to me. Woe to us if that is what happens in the process. Because there's a people who are searching and who are desperate for hope and peace and joy that only Jesus can provide. And they are eternally separated in their current state. They are spiritually dead. And the people who have been rescued because of the radical truth and grace of God should be the people who say, Lord, send me. Send me. Open my eyes. Provide the opportunities. Give me the courage to speak. Because I want to go where you say to go. I want to speak when you say speak. I want to be quiet when you say be quiet. I want to be that kind of person. Who are the people? Who are the people? And I won't be able to tell you this full story, but I'll say to you, this week I had one of those interactions with somebody who made a massive mistake, a massive mistake. And they said to me, it was the worst mistake I ever made in my life. And the shame on their faces, they proceeded to tell me what was going on. was very real. Very real. And I just said to them, hey, I just want to let you know you made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. I want you to know there's a God who sees you and has made you on purpose and for a purpose, and he comes near to you in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know he's right here with you as you're working through what it is you're working through. And you know what? That was one instance, and again, to honor his privacy, I won't go into all the details, but I want you to know there are people like that all around us, coworkers, neighbors, people at Starbucks, Wegmans, wherever you get your coffee, wherever you get your groceries, wherever you go, there are people. And if you're like, I don't know even where to start. I don't even know who to talk to. I don't even know where to begin to help people. I want you to look where your feet are right now. Just look at your feet. You see your feet? Wherever you find your feet is where you need to pray for opportunities. In other words, wherever you go, there is a God-sized opportunity that he's inviting you to join him in. So again, I will help not hinder who? Coming to Jesus. Who are those people? Who are those people in your life? As it continues on, it says, then the Jews responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Again, you've got to imagine they were a little like, whoa, 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 who do you think you are messing up our market? We worked really hard, right? This is like before... Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know, gave us the whole, like, ambiance thing, but they had their thing going on. They're like, whoa, whoa, you messed up our ambiance here, right? They're they're offended, right? But Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? You're going to raise it in three days? They're like, wait a second, 46 years, three days they don't understand. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. And so what Jesus is really getting to is saying, hey, I want you to know you can kill me, but I won't stay dead. In three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to rise And I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you my victory. I'm going to come and show up to all these witnesses. And it says the disciples understood after he had actually resurrected, right? They had believed his words. In other words, they had deepened their trust in him. And see, the resurrection of Jesus gives him authority over life and death. It gives him authority over life and death because it's one thing to be a spiritual leader of any organization And to say something like this, I'm going to die. And they're like, okay, cool. I mean, we're all, I mean, not cool, but we're all going to die, right? Like, that's nothing special, right? But if I said, hey, I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead and I'm going to show up. And I'm going to appear. And I'm (laughs) going to show you that I've defeated sin and death, right? I'm going to show you those things. You'd be like, okay okay, you know, you'd be like, you're crazy, but okay, whatever, you know, you'd say whatever. But the thing is, like, Jesus actually said this, and he did it. He showed up. We have proof that he showed up to all these witnesses. We, we have eyewitnesses who saw who he was and what he did for them. And I, I don't want us to miss this, because Jesus doing this allows us to experience and to enter in this life that we were created for we were created to have this living hope. Well, this living hope is found not just in a theological idea, but in a person. And that person's name is Jesus. And Jesus defeats sin and death, and he has the authority over life and death. And so the question for us to think about, does Jesus have ultimate authority over your life? Does Jesus have ultimate authority of your life? Because if Jesus again, said, hey, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. I think it shows you not only that who he was is actually who he said he was, but that he knows how life is intended to be lived, and that he has our best interest in mind. And so when he asks us to be about something, or to do something, or not to do something, or when we look at the scope of our lives, that he is trustworthy to hand that over to him, and to allow him to lead us as we walk with him, whether that's our jobs, whether that's our finances, whether that's our relationships, whether that's the way we disagree with people about political issues, whether that's the way that we deal with things like anger and offense and sadness, whether that's the way that we address mental health challenges that we may be facing and dealing with. We look to him and say, Jesus, I want you to have authority over my whole person, I want to have an integrated life with you. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whether it's an issue with addiction, whether it's an ongoing uh, uh, sense of bitterness and hurt from somebody in your past, whether it's the fact that you view yourself in a way that God himself does not view you and says about you. And this is where we start going down a track mentally where we miss what God says of us and has for us. And that's why many out of despair, out of despair often will turn to suicide. Friends, let the authority of Jesus, his love, his life, his truth, his grace for us be the banner that hangs over us. May we know that he deeply loves us and cares for us and he's not holding out on us. He's for us. And so anything he asks of us, is for our benefit. Do you believe that in faith? Do I believe that? Do I believe that? Even when the hard stuff happens, do I believe that he's doing something even when I don't understand what he's doing? When he's working, even when I don't know how it's gonna work out, do I believe that? Again, does Jesus have ultimate authority of your life? Well, as we continue on here, it says this, now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew, what does it say here? For he knew what? He knew all people. And listen to this, because this really struck me as I read this. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. And I think this is really fascinating because Jesus knows and gets you. He knows and he gets you. He knows and gets what it is you're going through, your struggles, your joys, your pains. He knows. He knows and he gets you. And it's interesting that he didn't allow them as all these signs were taking place and people wanted more of Jesus I think they really wanted more of the miracle man Jesus, not necessarily who Jesus really was. They wanted to crown him as a political figure to take out Rome, a political king. He says, no, 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 That's that's not why I'm here. I'm here for a bigger purpose than that. My kingdom is not of this world. And so he walks in that perspective, but I want you to get this because he knew what was in them, but he also knows what's in me and you. He knows us and he gets us. He empathizes with what we're facing. And the question for us is, is do you know Jesus? Because Jesus, here's what's crazy. He knows and he gets you. He gets all that you're facing, all that you're going through, all that you've been battling, all your failures, all your mistakes, all the things that no one else knows. He knows it. And guess what? He still pursues you and he still pursues me. He doesn't shun you and he doesn't cringe at you. He comes near to you. He's a God that sees and a God that cares and a God that says, I'm in the pursuit of a prodigal people. My radical love will not be stopped. I'm going to pursue these people. Even though I know what's in them, I don't need a testimony about mankind. I know. If you're like, no, man, he didn't know. He doesn't know about this thing. What is that thing for you? What's the thing you're putting yourself on trial for again and again? Again? What's that thing that you just have a difficult time saying, Jesus, through your finished work, I'm believing and trusting that you've dealt with this once and for all for me. What is that thing in your life that, again, you say, this is the thing that's hindered me. Maybe it's not even a person. Maybe it's something that you've done or way you've perceived the the, the church to be, but maybe it's not who Jesus truly is. What is that thing? What is that thing? Where are those accusations coming in? And are you coming under the authority of Jesus, the one who has authority over life and death? And so as we wrap up our time today, I just want to ask you a simple question. I want you to think about this. I will trust Jesus with, because Jesus is ultimately not just after what we do, but who we're becoming. And as a result of who we're becoming, that will lead to what we do. He's after our formation in him that will lead how we go about living our lives in response to his his love for us, what he's done on our behalf through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. So what is it that you need to trust Jesus with right now? What is it that you're like, he's slowly, you got maybe one finger out, right? (laughs) But you haven't got here yet. Maybe you're here or here. And he's like, hey, just come on. I'm dry, you know. But he's a perfect gentleman. And he can't just take it from you, right? He could, but that's not how he operates, right? He's all powerful. But this is a a participation with him in his kingdom. What is it that you're not holding out to him? Who is it that you're not holding out to him? I want you to think about it because one of the greatest invitations that we'll ever experience and say yes to is to trust him. Maybe for you you're like, I haven't even begun a relationship with Jesus. Well, today's the day I want to invite you to put your trust in him for what he's done for you. You're like, no, I've, I've already done that. Okay, where's he asking you to deepen your trust in him? Where is he asking you to say, hey, I'm opening my hands to you and holding them out to you in surrender? What, what is the thing? What is the person? What is the fear? What is the longing? What is the sadness? What is it? Who is it? And will you allow him? to come near. And when he asks you, hey, not only will you hold this out to me and let me hold it with you and work with you in it, will you believe that I have your best interest in mind? Will you believe I'm not trying to hold out on you? Because that's part of trust too. And then when he asks us to invite safe people in, will we do that? Because we can't carry what it is that we're trusting him with on our own. We're not intended to do that. We're intended relationship. We're intended to walk in community. So again, I will trust Jesus with. I want you to think about that. Just think about that. And we're going to just go to the Lord right now in prayer. I want you to just think about that as we go to him in prayer right now. Lord, I know there's so much we're all carrying right now. And Lord, I want to just, I want to pray right now you to give us the grace, the strength to stand with you and to trust you with what it is that we are holding on to on our own power and strength versus walking with you in it and allowing others in. Maybe that's financial provision right now. Maybe that's the support and help we need with some issues that we're facing and dealing with. Maybe that's What we're spending our time on what we're looking at what we're doing when no one else sees Maybe it's the thing we're avoiding that you're asking us to do hard conversations or people that you're asking us to come near To help but not hinder to come to you Jesus we thank you that you're not asking us to do anything that you not only did but also that you do with us and by the power of the spirit as paul would say in colossians this is the mystery Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, Christ in us, the hope of glory. May it be so that we not only know that as a theological truth, but a practical reality that we experience daily. That we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would be filled, renewed, refreshed, and staying in step with what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for this adventure that you've called us to. I pray that we would see the joy it is to join you, Jesus. I know many of us right now, we're we're lacking joy. We're lacking hope. We're lacking peace. We're lacking love. And I just pray that we would know that it's found in you, Jesus. And that we would be a community that's marked by those things as we respond to you. And for those of us who are not yet followers, that today again would be the day of salvation. Lord, more than ever, More than ever, you're looking for a people who are going to join you on your pursuit of prodigal people as you pursued us, your prodigal children, and brought us home. And we want to be a part of that. We want to join you in your kingdom business. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you invite us in and that even when we can't, we know you can. And so we're begging, God, we're begging that you do it in our time that we would be a people that help others come to you. That you'd forgive us for our complacency. That you'd forgive us for the lesser things that we're distracted by. That you'd forgive us for our pride. That you'd forgive us for us missing the point and the purpose for which you made us for and your church for. Forgive us. And we thank you that forgiveness is found fully in Christ. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.